Chasing after your next money goal can be so exciting and energizing, especially when you're starting to see progress. But when things start to get a little difficult, it can derail all the momentum you've built. Kate is early in her journey of pay period budgeting, but she started to hit a few roadblocks on the way to her goals. We talk about how to pace yourself when the finish line seems far away, avoiding burnout and staying motivated when you have experienced setbacks. I'm your host, Carly Hill, and this is the Debt-Free Mom Podcast. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles will show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. You guys know I'm all about finding ways to minimize both clutter and overspending. If you're looking to reduce your clothes spending while still having new styles to try, this is for you. I have a couple events coming up that I'd love to have new pieces for. With the clothes I got from Armoire, I can have multiple high-end options for the price of one outfit. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash debtfreemom. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash debtfreemom to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Today on the Debt Free Mom podcast, I have Kate and Kate is 40 years old. She is working to get her financial life under control. She currently works in healthcare. She used to work in radiology and now does screening for lung cancer. She's been married for eight years to her husband, Chris, who is an electrician, and they have a daughter, Peyton, and a son, Barrett. Kate is ready to build a pay period budget and use it to grow their emergency fund. And I am excited to have Kate here today. So thanks for coming on, Kate. Hey, thanks for having me. That's so exciting. I'm thrilled. I see your name pop up often. You just joined Pay Period Budget Academy recently. I see you in my DMs and Instagram. So it's always fun to actually communicate in person with somebody who I've seen, you know, on my phone quite a bit in the last couple of months. Right. Put a face for the name. Yeah, for sure. So Kate, the reason you wanted to come on today was that you have just started pay period budgeting starting in February and you're needing to grow an emergency fund. So before we start talking about how to move forward with your budget, how to set up some of those goals, can you tell me in like just a couple sentences, what was your past attempts with budgeting and managing your budget prior to trying a pay period budget? My Past attempts with budgeting were miserable, very mental math, just a couple chicken scratch notes on my phone and the reminders to remember some of the bills. And I say some of them, not all of them. And pretty much if there was any money in the account, I was spending it instead of saving it. So this is our first attempt at saving and building an emergency. So you said that you started a pay period budget. February 1st was your first pay period. So just in that first run through of setting up your first six pay periods and then starting to use the first one, what did you notice at the beginning was already different than your combination of mental math and phone notes compared to having the numbers laid out in a pay period budget? Oh, it was amazing. We actually see where the money goes. And it feels great to check off and color everything that's paid and have the control over knowing what's coming out, when it's coming out, and not having that negative bank account because I'm forgetting things. 
Yeah. So it was really, and it was enlightening because we found out we were double paying for something and, and missing dates on others. And it was just really eye opening. So, right before you maybe found my template or joined Pay Period Budget Academy, what was the I've had enough moment. Like what, what was going on that made you be like, I've got to find something different. Just being sick of living paycheck to paycheck. We make decent money and not knowing where it's going. I was just spending too much and I just had stuff and I needed to get rid of it. And I just really kind of got into looking on Instagram and TikTok and finding people that were trying to live debt free and curb their shopping impulses and things. So that just really kind of made me feel better and just kind of got to that breaking point of we need to do better. We really do need to do better because I was just derailing our client the way that I was doing things. Yeah, that's it's such a hard thing to come to that realization because I feel like it's true of so many people where they know how much they earn and they know how hard they work. And then there's such a big disconnect between what's actually showing up in a lasting way in in their bank account or in their net worth or whatever it is where they're like, the life I thought I would be living based on the size of my income is nothing like what's actually going on. And that is a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. But I think a lot of times I, I always hope for people that it's also encouraging that it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to go out and earn even more. Sometimes that's the knee-jerk reaction that people have of, well, I, I guess this paycheck just isn't as big as I thought it was, or it doesn't stretch as far as I thought it was. So I need to go out and get a second job and get a promotion and double my income. And it's exciting to realize that we can also put some effort into the way that we set up our budget and the way that we follow it. And it can make the exact same size paycheck feel totally different. And all of a sudden we're like, okay, my income didn't change, but the way I feel about my money is already starting to change. Yeah, I have felt so much more confident and more in control of our finances. Along with mental math, I had tried to do the monthly budget and pen and paper, and it was just not my jam. And once I found this template, I was like, I can do this. I can really get things in order. I had been, you know, not really transparent with my husband about finances. I'm in charge of all of it. And this helps me share with him what is going on and where it's going and it's just been, it's been great. It just really changed everything for us. So tell me about his first reaction. Like before you set it up and showed it to him, how did he feel about budgeting or about, you know, setting something up that was different with your money? Well, first we started off with our transparency talk about our debt. And he was like, we need to do something, you know, like that snowball, the avalanche, something like that. And, you know, we make money, but where is it going? You know, he started to kind of cut John to the paycheck to paycheck and we make too much money. So I built this template. And at first he was like, I don't know about this. I don't know about, you know, having a $50 buffer. And I said, that's just the way it is. And this is the first time that he's actually had personal spending money because I was able to build that in there. And I said, I don't want to deprive us because that restriction makes you only want to spend more. So this was his first time to have money at cash in hand. That's what he likes to do. And he's kind of the frugal non-spender, you know, where I'm obviously had like major impulse buying issues. And it's just, it was kind of hard to get him on board. And it was a little shocking, I think, for him to see all the numbers out there and just, you know, out in the open and see where the money goes and how many, you know, bills and stuff we have. Because like I said, I was doing all the, the math and the budgeting 
whatever budgeting it was, you could call it the finance. So it took a little bit to get him on board, but now, you know, he asked questions like, how are we this week? What can we include? You know, how much are we going to try to put towards saving? How much money do we have in this thinking fund? So he's really kind of gotten on board. He doesn't do anything with it. He doesn't have the app or anything on his phone. He still kind of leaves that up to me, but he really, he's really a lot more cooperative and into it now. That's amazing. It just in the span of February 1st, and we're recording this at the end of the month. So in the span of one month that he's kind of caught up to how it's helpful. And I, I love that you mentioned that you built in personal spending cash, even for somebody who's more frugal or not really a spender, because sometimes that can, that alone can be enough for them to feel like, well, when we weren't budgeting, I didn't have personal spending cash. And now we're on a budget, which tends to feel restrictive when you say that. But in their experience, it's actually that being on a budget has now meant more cash in their hand to spend than they felt like they had before. So that really flips the narrative of, oh, I like being on a budget because being on a budget means that we're putting a plan in place that I have permission to spend instead of being afraid of spending because I don't know how it's going to impact the rest of my numbers. So I love that you made sure to build that in for both of you so that you both feel like even as most of our money might be going to bills and goals, I still have this little corner that belongs to me that I have permission to spend that fits inside of the bigger picture instead of being a situation where I'm spending so much that I'm taking away from our goals. Now it's actually part of the plan. I built in talk me for myself and then work lunches for him because I would get calls from him. He usually takes his lunch, but every once in a while he'd want to eat out for lunch and I built in work lunches for him. And he loves it because he used to have to call and be like, can I go get lunch? Yeah. Because yeah, we were just uh, strapped for cash all the time because of how bad I had managed everything. And he really likes that. He has feels more freedom. And just trying to make that gap big, bigger from our income to expenses, mm-hmm. um, that's really helpful with the budget. And, you know, he sees now that we actually have, even though we have like a $50 buffer, we still have more money than we yeah. did before. Yeah. And for reference, for people listening, you say you have a $50 buffer, but what is your, what's the length of your pay periods? We do weekly. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Um, I know like on the pay period Academy, their buffer was $80, but they've had every two weeks. Yes. So we knocked it down to about 40 to $50 for our buffer for a weekly paycheck. I just want for people listening, $50, if if their pay period is like half a month, so it's like 15 days, that's a really long time. But if you're working with, you know, a well-planned out budget where the $50 buffer is on top of a grocery budget and a restaurant budget and a personal spending budget and a coffee budget, all of a sudden a $50 buffer for one week starts to feel like a decent amount because you also have the other sinking funds and the other things in place that the buffer is on top of all of those. So I think a $50 one week buffer for someone who's well planned out is perfect. So when people are just starting out and they're looking at their first budget, a lot of times I try to say, well, maybe let's let's make the buffer a little bigger than what we eventually want it to be simply because We don't yet know that you've actually included everything that we need to include. So we might get a week down the road and realize, oh, there was another subscription or, oh, you know, the date on that bill was wrong. But as time goes on, we can really start to narrow down our buffer in a way that we're confident about because we're like, I've been through several pay periods now. I know how this works. I know where things go. 
So I think $50 for a weekly budget is is the perfect place to land. I wouldn't try to go certainly any lower than that. But as long as it's working for you, I, th- I think that's a, a great number to sit at for, you know, those little things that come up, you know, kids need $2 for whatever, you know, all those things that, <laughs> yeah. that before, I mean, honestly, I have tried in the past to bu- budget basically without a buffer. And it just felt silly because it was like something, like I said, as small as, you know, two or three dollars to get, you know, a soda at the gas station or something. All of a sudden that feels like it wrecks the budget. And it's like there has to be a better way to plan my money in a way that I don't, you know, I make thousands of dollars a month and I'm going to say that a two dollar soda has wrecked the budget. So I think having that buffer is such a helpful tool for remembering that most of the money is going to go to bills and goals. But I'm going to give myself breathing room so that the little things that pop up in life just don't negatively impact me in the way that they used to. Exactly. I, you know, just like you said, I don't want to fail. I don't want to wreck the budget just over something trivial. Like you said, the little things with kids, the stopping at a gas station. And like the other day, I I get part of the coffee shop, but I forgot it. And I was already over my coffee budget, but wanted another one. But it didn't wreck it because I had the buffer. Yep. Been there, done that. (laughs) So let's talk about now that you have set up your first couple of pay periods and you've started to follow them. You told me before we started recording that the first two went really well and then the third one kind of felt like a mess. So can you can you tell me a little bit about like how that felt or what you were trying to troubleshoot when when things were, you know, maybe coming up that were larger than your buffer or just things you forgot? Tell me a little bit about working through that more frustrating pay period. Yeah, working through it, just trying to reconcile it. There was quite a significant gap between what my bank account said versus what the budget said and just trying to find that money. We had paid down, gotten a personal loan, a consolidation loan to pay off some credit cards. And I just, that kind of was the catalyst, I think, to messing it up because some of the numbers were off there and I just can't quite reconcile it. So I'm just trying to start fresh with this new pay period. I run into that consistently with myself as well. And I think, you know, the best advice I can have is exactly what you just said, which is we try to reconcile it. Like we want to do our best to say, okay, I'm going to sit down with my bank account app and my budget and a a piece of blank paper just so I can kind of make notes. And I do try to find where's my error or, you know, what did I miss? What, what, what rolled over from a previous pay period that I didn't remember or what check did I write three months ago that now somebody randomly deposited that happens a lot. But at the end of the day, if we do all that and it's still kind of a mess, what I like to tell myself and what I tell other people is once we try that and if we can't find it, we just need to say, okay, I just accept that these are the numbers. I can't find what the error is for some reason right now, but I'm just going to go ahead and accept that what's in my bank account is actually what's there. And then, like you said, move forward and start fresh and say, okay, that one was kind of a mess, but that doesn't mean that the whole, you know, all of my future pay periods are a mess. I can go ahead and say, you know, starting day one, what is the balance in my bank account? What are the expenses that I might need to move over from one to another, especially for those of you who are paid weekly like Kate is, there's probably going to be more transactions that need to move from one pay period to another than people who have a longer pay period because you're working with such a short period of time that, you know, if you have a bill, especially utility bills tend to be the annoying ones that do this, where it's like sometimes it comes out the 21st of the month, but sometimes it comes out the 24th of the month or something. 
And when you have a short pay period like a week, that could end up easily meaning that it moves from one pay period to another. So when we close out that pay period, no matter how perfect it looked or no matter how messy it looked, we just say, okay, for, for good or bad, this is the bank account balance that I have. So I'm going to record that as my current checking account balance. I'm going to move over any expenses that I thought would come out of the current pay period, but now it looks like they're going to come out of the future one. And then just kind of, you know, give yourself that mental reset button where we're like, just because one pay period got messy or had an error doesn't mean that the next one is going to. And the best thing I can do is be persistent and just move forward. And I think that is, especially, you know, as you said, that you've tried budgeting once a month for people who are paid weekly, that's about as difficult as you can get because you're making a budget for a full 30 days, which is a really long period of time. And the income that you're planning for is going to come to you in four to five smaller increments throughout the month. So I, I have a feeling that switching from monthly where it's easy to, for it to get messy real fast and you're like, man, my next budget, my next you know chance to get a fresh start is 25 days from now. And that really leads us to be like, well, you know, screw it. I'm going to abandon it. I'll try again next month. But when you have the shorter windows of time, even when they get messy, you're like, okay, this is a hot mess. I can't find this transaction that's messing me up, but my fresh start comes three days from now. And that, that makes a big difference in being able to be like, I can make it three days of, you know, hobbling along with this messy budget. And I know that I get my reset button in a couple of days. It's easier to do something for five to seven days than 30 days. It's much easier to mentally handle. And you're exactly right. It was just too much for the 30 days. Things got really frustrating and I would just, you know, quit. And yeah. that's when I found this. And that's what I love about the template is that you can move things around. You can up in the bar instead of doing this, the formula, I can just put in my fresh number from my bank account. And mm -hmm. kind of, even if I have to do mental or not mental, but calculator math, you know, more mental math. But <laughs> we've learned. Yeah. So let's move into um, talking about how to move forward now. We, like you've set up your pay period budget. I'm actually glad that you've had a few pay periods that went well and one that didn't go well because that matters too, because everybody's going to have pay periods that do go well and don't go well. What is your primary goal for the extra money that you would have in your pay period budget? Where do you want that money to go? Definitely to the emergency fund. We're currently at zero. We opened our first savings account when we started the pay period budget and had about $100 in it that we could scrape up from making up payments from my previous financial management. And then we had some car repairs come up and had to kind of take that out right away, um, which is great because that's what it's there for. But it's disappointing because we finally had money in a savings account and now we need to rebuild from scratch. And I know that the, the goal is to have three to four months at least of necessary expenses built up. So we are, we've got a big challenge ahead of us. Obviously, everybody would love to have an even bigger gap between their income and expenses than they have right now. But do you have at least somewhat of a gap to start with so that you can consistently put money in the emergency fund throughout the month? Or do you need to first focus on growing that gap? We kind of need to focus on growing that gap. We have some 
things coming up that we had to do some thinking funds for, like car registration, things like that that are necessary. I need new tires on my car. So we had thinking funds for that. And so, you know, I wish that that was money going into saving. But I think after we get that taken care of, maybe in April, we'll be able to grow that gap even more. I have cut back on um, our takeout restaurant bill. I put back on groceries. I realized that was a huge place where I was spending. I started meal planning and that really helped grow the gap because I wasn't just buying stuff on a whim, like, well, maybe we'll want to eat this. So meal planning has really helped. At first I was looking at, you know, maybe we need a second job or something like that, but I see that the money is there and we just need to look, focus on tailoring some of those accounts. One of the encouragements I have for you is that sometimes we need to realize to celebrate what we're not doing. So when you're talking about car tires and car registrations and things that just need to be taken care of, even if you're not adding money to the emergency fund this month, the fact that you're doing those things and you're not putting them on debt is still something to celebrate. So the only reason that you're not able to put savings away this month is because you're paying for these things in cash which is awesome. I mean, that's something to be excited about that it, you're going a whole month of not adding to your credit cards or not doing things. I've had seasons for myself as well where we didn't add to any goals and I started to get really frustrated because I was like, we're working so hard and we're spending every dime that we make. And I, I really had to work for multiple months at a time on reframing to be like, okay, make a list of all the things that you didn't do this month that are things to celebrate. And so my list would be things like, I didn't fight with Kyle about the budget. I didn't add to debt. I didn't get overwhelmed with a new bill. I didn't pull money out of the emergency fund. You know, things like that, that we have to help remind ourselves that those are still wins, just like adding to our emergency fund is a win. So it is hard when you set up this budget and you're excited to have something new that seems to be working better, but then it happens to fall in a month where you just have those necessary life expenses that come up that just have to be taken care of. So remind yourself of all the things that you're not doing that you used to do that are wins for your money. So paying in full for a set of tires without putting it on a credit card that you're not sure how you're going to pay off is a win, even though your emergency fund might be staying exactly the same size throughout March or whatever. The great thing about the pay period budget is that you can build it as far into the future as you'd like. So maybe if March is feeling frustrating, if you build out April and May in advance and start to see what could happen in those months that might have less of these expenses coming up, that might also help to boost your perseverance and your motivation to say, okay, March just isn't going to be the month that we grow our emergency fund, but I can look ahead at April and May and I can see that we have a lot more extra there than we do now. And so I'm going to write it out and I'm going to focus on just sticking to the plan. And then in those months, I see the gap is available to actually go to the emergency fund. If you're not paid once a month, why are you budgeting that way? A monthly budget ignores the fact that sometimes your expenses are due before the next paycheck is available. A pay period budget is built around your unique pay schedules so that your money doesn't feel like a mess. Create an accurate, realistic plan for getting the most out of each paycheck. Get started budgeting by pay period today with the best-selling budget template and mini course from me, Debt-Free Mom. It's available for just $9 at debtfreemom.co slash template. So you know, like, how far are you built out right now? How far can you look forward? Mid-May. 
Yeah. And it's so true because the numbers at the top where you have your income and the total that's available is much larger. It's really great. And like you said, I should celebrate the fact that we can pay those things in full because we are trying not to use our credit card. Mm -hmm. And I never would have been able to do it if I hadn't started this budget because I, we would have been scrambling to figure out how to pay a thousand dollars between the two of them and swarm break that up and figure out where that's going. But we had the money to register the kids for soccer this time because I knew that was coming up. We had the money for my daughter's birthday in March as well. Things that I could look forward to and already pre-plan and pre-plan the sinking funds and the savings for all of that. There's room to start saving for the emergency fund. Emergency fund is a like I said, a new thing for us to have that savings account because before, if we had extra money, I would spend it. I'd find a place to spend it, whether that was on myself or my kids. So this was new to break that extra off and put it in a fund. And and one thing with emergency fund or paying off debt, whatever the goal is, never ignore a couple extra dollars. Like there is so much momentum that can be gained from just small amounts going into those goals. Because, you know, like you said, if you if you went years and years without even having a savings account, if you put $6 in because your grocery budget has $6 left, that's six times more than what you used to have, you know? And so, so never ignore the the little things that we're able to do because they really do add up quite quickly and a lot I think a lot more quickly than we realize that they do. I mean, I know even right now like the big goal that we're working on is that our retirement isn't where we would like it to be and sometimes I get to the end of a pay period and my buffer has like $11 left. I will invest $11, which isn't obviously going to be the thing that allows me to retire, but it's infinitely better than zero. And so, you know, as you're working through March, maybe make a really tiny goal that almost feels silly, like $22. You know, it's just something something silly to get us out of the idea that the only transfer that's worth celebrating is $100 or something. Something so small where you're like, I know that between these couple of little spending categories and my buffer, I could come up with $25 in March. Just so that you give yourself this benchmark that by the time you get to the end of the month, you're like, we did it. We got through the month. We paid for the things that we used to rely on debt for. And I added $25 to my emergency fund. And that kind of positive reinforcement and excitement about what you got through and what you avoided will help move into April with so much more momentum. Even if, again, the balance is just the difference between zero and 25, I still feel like that just lends itself towards even more growth in the months after than it would if you were like, well, it's not even worth putting a small amount in, so I'm going to wait until I can put a large amount. That just ends up delaying our growth even more. So, you know, look along the way throughout this month for just really little things that are seemingly insignificant and tell yourself every time there's just a little tiny bit extra, I'm going to build the habit of transferring that to the emergency fund, no matter what that size is. And I, I would guess that you'll be surprised by the end of March how much is able to be put there. And that's exactly true, because I would have been in the mindset that if it's not $100, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. And this way, I'm still getting something towards my emergency fund. I'm still hitting a goal. And so that makes me feel better because my goal is the emergency fund. And I feel like by 
shouldn't do this, but if I compare myself to other budgeters, you know, they're still contributing to their emergency fund no matter what. And it's like, even if it is a little bit, hey, I'm doing it. And sometimes we forget that the the first goal actually needs to be the habit, not the amount. So, you know, we we say, okay, I've never put money into an emergency fund. My goal is $5,000. Well, that's actually the second part of the goal. The first part of the goal needs to be having the habit of moving money into the emergency fund at all, regardless of what the amount is. So we can build the habit in the exact same way by transferring a dollar a week as we can by transferring a hundred a week. Both of those things are building the exact same habit. And once we establish the habit, then we can start to focus on how much am I putting in and am I making progress towards my ultimate goal of 5,000 or whatever it is. But we first have to build the habit before we can actually build the account. And so telling yourself that March might not be the month where I'm happy with the amount that goes in, but it can be the month that I'm happy with the habit that I built for myself. And then that habit will serve you well in the future months, no matter what the amount is. So it's, you know, it again, like you said, it is frustrating or easy to compare ourselves to what other people are doing. But we have to remind ourselves that it's the exact same habit, whether we're putting a couple dollars or whether we're putting a couple hundred in there, we still need to build that habit. So you're able to build that habit with pennies. It still it still does the same thing for you in the future. Yeah. And like I just looked into your podcast yesterday, numbers are numbers and people are people. So comparison is the thief of joy and not really going to make it harder for me to feel those little celebrations and like I'm getting somewhere and making progress if I compare myself to other people. I feel like you're kind of in this middle window of time where you're in the in-between. Like you've you've recognized what's happened in the past and that it isn't working and you want to do something different in the future, but you're right in the middle between what you used to do and where you actually want to end up. And that can sometimes be a hard place to be because you have all this energy and this excitement about making these changes, but the changes that you're excited about take time. And so sometimes we get on this high of, oh, I have a new plan and I can see the numbers and I'm super excited about how this will be so much better than any budget I tried to do in the past. But then sometimes we we go from that high to kind of a letdown when we realize, oh, the, the plan that's going to work is going to take months and years. And then we start to be like, well, I don't know if I want to, you know, commit to that. But I, I think that as we push through those first couple months that feel messy, feel confusing, feel new, we suddenly get to a place so much quicker than we thought we would. I would imagine that like if I followed up and we did another call in like July, that you would feel nothing like you do today about your money. It would be like complete different. And that is not that far away. I mean, four months is nothing. And so the people who find that long-term success are the ones who they only have to stick out those first couple months and just get through that kind of uncomfortable feeling of it being new or it being, you know, frustrating or just the introspection, being willing to look at what, why have I done what I did in the past and needing to change? Like change is really, really hard. And so the fact that you are into it and you're like, yes, this is what we're doing. And even if March is not the month that we move a bunch of money into savings, I'm still going to be here in April and May and June to push forward and find those pockets of money where I can transfer into savings. Like it won't always feel as challenging or it won't always take as much of your mental effort as it does at the beginning. So 
I really encourage you to push through that. And I, I think I can see that you have that drive to do so, because even if the goal itself takes a while, the mental exertion that you have to do to get yourself started will not always be the same. I feel really motivated. I mean, in just a month, the amount of change that I pop in financially is is really motivating. And I can't wait to see where I'm at in July. And like you say, persistence, instead of perfection, there are going to be some hard times, some ups and downs. And just knowing that we're going to get somewhere someday is really a great challenge. And it's a goal to work towards. And this is, like say, it is all new. So I do have some of that. Oh, wow. This is fun. Like, this is almost like a game. I can't wait to update my budget every day. I know that I eventually may hit a burnout, but I have just really immersed myself in so much budgeting and financial and frugality type things that I, I think I'll have the, the push to keep going, even when it isn't, you know, the sunshine and rainbows. So with the emergency fund growing and identifying gaps in your between your income and expenses that can go towards your goals, you mentioned at one point that you thought maybe we need to get a second job, but the money is there. I'm not sure. One thing that the pay period budget style and being able to look farther in, into the future can help you do is that that might sometimes be the answer to, to temporarily increase income in order to accelerate some of your goals. But the pay period budget can help you identify exactly how much that needs to be and for how long. So I feel like sometimes, I mean, I have personally experienced that right after I had our second baby, Kyle got a second job on top of his full-time job and was working part-time on top of that just because we weren't finding momentum with our finances. We were still renting. I was trying to cancel or not cancel, but I was trying to leave some of my part-time jobs to stay home more. But all of that was translating into exactly what you're describing, where we weren't going into debt, but we weren't moving forward either. And so he got a part-time job on top of his full-time job and having the budget template and being able to see that we don't need to go out and double our income, even just something that earns him an extra four to $500 a month was all that we needed to kind of push us over being stagnated and start to build forward momentum with that. And he ended up doing that job just shy of two years, I believe. And then as soon as we got to a point where we had grown our savings enough and felt like we were a little more secure, his full-time job had increased the salary a little bit, he left the part-time job right away. Having the numbers in front of you can kind of help to identify and be able to play around with hypotheticals. So you could go into the budget and say, hey, what if we did something super small that just paid us an extra $250 a month or something? Let's let's plug those numbers in and just see what that could do and play around with that until you figure out, okay, if we did something super small on the side for just six months, this is what the result would be. And then, you know, decide in advance if that's worth it to you. And it might not be like, that's okay. But just having the tool in front of you allows you to play around with the things that might be in your head where you're like, I wonder if this would make a difference. Or I wonder if this change would actually help us. Having you and your husband sit down together and look at some of those hypotheticals can help to clarify what would actually be helpful instead of what just might sound helpful. Right. And that's what I love about the template. Everything, the undo button is the best thing mm -hmm. because you can add those numbers. You can play around, like you said, figure out what could actually help. Like we are kind of 
just trying to find that gap, you know, and then after we get that kind of settled and stuff, hopefully after March, we can have a clearer vision of whether or not we need to do something secondary to get more income. I like that you're pacing yourself because with all of these changes, if we do too many changes at one time, it's just going to feel overwhelming and we're going to start to abandon all of it because it just feels like too much. So I think your approach to, okay, March is going to be all about being a consistent budgeter and that's it. Like if you make that your goal, then you can succeed no matter what your numbers end up being. So it doesn't matter what the uh, grocery budget ends up being. It doesn't matter how expensive the tires end up being. If your goal is to be a consistent budgeter, you can get to the end of March successfully, no matter how that gap grows or shrinks. And then once you learn things about yourself and things about your budget in March by just focusing on being a consistent budgeter, then in April, you might be able to say, hey, our gap is bigger in April than it was in March. So now in April, I'm going to focus on being a saving budgeter. And so that might look like dropping a few of your expenses just a little bit just for April and see if you can hit a goal of 200 in savings or something like that. And then taking that slow path to growth, I think is actually makes it so much more likely that you will sustain what you're doing, that you'll actually be able to stick to the budget, that you'll actually be able to stick to the emergency fund if you're taking them in small incremental steps. So I would really encourage you to just say, March is about being a good budgeter. April is about being a saver, you know, whatever that goal needs to be and allow yourself to not only focus on that goal, but allow yourself to let go of the other goals that you might be telling yourself you need to do right now. And instead say, that's not what I'm focusing on this month. I'm going to focus on that, you know, in May. And so then you give your per yourself permission to let go of the expectation that it's all going to change all at the same time and focus methodically on one thing at a time. And those skills and habits and goals will build on each other so that you get to that place where you're like, okay, in, in March, the only thing I focused on was being a consistent budgeter, but now I'm all the way in June and I am a consistent budgeter. And now I'm consistently adding to my savings. I love that. I love that you're breaking it down into months. We already break it down weekly, so five mm -hmm. to seven days on the budget. But then I have the bigger goal of the month because my mindset right now is just emergency fund, get that debt down, you want to buy a house, all this stuff. And that's what's focused for me, instead of just taking a smaller chunk of things and just being a consistent budgeter, being a consistent saver. So that is excellent. Thank you for that, because that really just puts things in perspective instead of just feeling the weight of that debt. Because initially, what I would have done is not save for this emergency fund and just attack debt. So saving is, like I've said, is very new to us. So this little baby step of saving in March is going to help. And then April focusing on savings even more is great. Yeah. And you can even take, if you don't already use the very top row of the budget, that's just blank, you know, in Pay Period Budget Academy, I, I talk about that you can put different Peyton's birthday or something in that blank where it's a, right above the column. So it kind of helps you with that calendar idea. But if you don't use that, or you can even right click on the first row and do insert one row above, 
you could put across all of the March pay periods, be a consistent budgeter. And then you could put across all of the April pay periods, be a saver. And so that every time you're going in just to record your gas fill up or write down that your utility bill got paid, you you see that visual reminder of, oh, I'm not going to get overwhelmed with all the things that I need to do. I'm just working on being a consistent budgeter. I don't want to overwhelm myself. That'll lead to crazy burnout. And I don't want to do that. I want to be consistent and paced and do the best I can without getting too far into things and getting overwhelmed by it. Because, you know, and you you just mentioned it, and I, I have seen it be true in myself and in other people as well. When we get overwhelmed, we abandon all of it, which just is backwards progress. And even if we think that, doing all of these things at the same time. That's a really common thing is when people get overwhelmed or when people have that I'm sick of it moment with their money, then they start to rush to doing everything at the same time. Like I'm going to budget and add to my savings and pay down my debt today. And that overwhelm ends up having that person abandon any sort of plan at all versus the person who takes it slow and says, I'm just going to do one thing at a time is going to outlast that person that tried to jump into everything at once pretty much every time. So I think having that pacing with yourself and also reminding ourselves six months feels like a super long period of time, but it's really, really not. It's really a short period of time. So being able to take one small goal per month for six months, those six months are going to fly and we're going to be able to look back at the start of those six months and be shocked by our progress if we just stick to one small step at a time. So allowing ourselves to be human and to not be able to do everything at once is is the best way to actually end up seeing success. I want to take it slow. At first, I did jump into it really quick and really just immerse myself and got real hyper about it, like told everybody about it. Absolutely love the program. You should try it. You know, like it changed our life and everything like that. But I need to take it one step at a time and really just I put so much work into it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to abandon it. I don't want to mess it up. So I want to take full steps and it's it's self-improvement. It's financial improvement. It's a lot of things tied up in that. And I don't want to mess that up. I don't think you will. You don't sound like somebody who's going to. Like I can hear in your voice and just in the things that you're saying that you are excited about what's ahead and willing to take it slower than maybe you initially wanted. I honestly really would be um, excited about doing a follow-up episode like six months from now and just come on and talk about like, talk about both the progress and the frustrations and the things you've learned, you know, because it's not going to be all smooth sailing and blue skies, but still six months from now, even just that persistence factor and that experience factor and episode six months from now would be like, am I even talking to the same person? (laughs) I would love that. That would be absolutely amazing just to see the progress and you know I just the accomplishment just to see how far I've come would be really fun yeah I would enjoy that so much well let's bookmark that for a few months from now what six months would be like oh my gosh like September August September we'll check in over the summer and see how it's going well thank you so much Kate I mean this has been so so enlightening for me just to listen to somebody who has not used the pay period budget for a long time, but who has set it up and is just starting to learn. And just to be able to share with other people what it's like to go through the process of trying something new and persisting, even when the numbers don't look 
the way that you want them to look is going to be so encouraging to people out there who are maybe there maybe you in January where they're sick of their money and they're they're frustrated by how it looks, but they're not actually sure how to move forward. I would just say, take that leap, give it a shot. Even if you just use the financial snapshot to look at it. I did the whole pay period budget academy, but even just using the $9 template is a great way to start. And I referred it to friends and everything and just I can't say enough. Yeah, awesome. Well, all the best, and we will absolutely be following up. I'm excited for that. All right, Kate, I'm going to follow up with you in six months and see where you're at. I think Kate is in a great position to make her money work for her instead of feeling controlled by it. Here are some things that Kate and I talked about that can help you with your home finances. Number one, don't discount small progress. Putting $1 into savings is better than zero, even if you planned on $100. Building habits is the first step that we often ignore on our way to achieving our goals. And number two, a successful budgeter is not a perfect budgeter, but is a persistent one. Things will get complicated and difficult, and you will hit unexpected bumps along the way. A money manager who's confident and content will adapt to her circumstances instead of throwing in the towel. Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Mom podcast. If you want to join me as a guest on the show, go to dfmpodcast.com. The Debt-Free Mom podcast is hosted by me, Carly Hill, and is produced, edited, and mixed by Kyle Hill. Music for this episode was written by Kyle Hill. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to join in with every new episode as we grow our confidence and contentment in our personal finances. 